Welcome back to a Nunder. Oh, good lord. A Nunder? A Nunder. <laughs> Welcome back. That's staying in the cut. We're going to leave that in there. Welcome back to another episode of the Blockbuster Hall of Fame. No, no, redo it. Redo the entrance. Jeez. Welcome back to another episode of the Blockbuster Hall of Fame where we are talking about the movie Sicario. Um, this is a movie that happened, and this is a movie that definitely was filmed, and this is also a movie that everyone on the internet, anytime it's brought up, it's like, oh man, gotta see Sicario. This movie's fantastic. And <laughs> I think two of us, maybe three of us, had never seen this movie before. Jared, I know me and Jordan have never seen it. Jared, have you, had you seen it before? Oh yeah, I just haven't seen it since uh, theater, so... I was very excited to rewatch this and give it another go. So here's what I'll say, and I may be giving the end away. Oh, that's a poet right there. Um, this movie's fantastic, but if this is on your Hall of Fame for movies like so rewatchable, you're a freaking psychopath. <laughs> that's my takeaway. Wow. Seth, am I wrong? I mean. I, I do test for a little bit of psychopathy, so I guess uh, I guess no. All I know is if I dated a girl and she was like, I watch this movie once a week. I that's three red flags, right there. Okay, no, okay. I wouldn't watch weeks a little, but watch it. Yeah, I wouldn't watch it. Yeah, once a week. but like but like every other year or <laughs> I can watch or it maybe once a year. twice. Yeah, I can watch well, it once twice movie. a year and be happy. Yeah, I thought this movie was fantastic. I do have some thoughts where I was like starting to feel like, is this movie going to be good? And then it, it took some turns, and every time I had doubts, it did something that made me feel like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Jordan, so where are you at with this movie? You never saw it. I enjoyed this movie a lot. This is just, this is what I call a movie that's a slow burn I like, where it just slowly escalates, and you just feel the tension come and come and come and come more and more. And yes, I enjoyed Really enjoyed this movie. Awesome. Jared? This movie is fantastic. It's a great, as Jordan said, slow burn. The What I really love is that how the music sort of like draws you in. And then like even with Dini's style of directing, you know, he likes to do like a little bit of wider angle shots. Then go out, go in and like be like next to you with the camera and so it's a good like vacillation of both and so i just love this movie man and shout out to just every single fucking actor in this movie fantastic jobs everyone yeah really strong cast and seth did it hold up for you just as strong oh yeah absolutely especially actually even the the second time or it's my third time watching it uh this being my third time it's actually like even better uh because you get to notice all the small details you know every time you rewatch a movie that's really good you know kind of like jared talked about with the wide angle shots to the closer stuff you know that's one of his strong suits is providing scope and small human emotions amidst a bigger scope and giving this idea of this bigger picture going on um and so i got to notice small little details and appreciate some aspects i didn't appreciate the first time i watched it so yeah it held up so I, I want you to get back to the small little details because this is only my first time. I want you to point those out when we start talking about the the notes for the movie and stuff like that because I am really curious to 
see what you noticed the second or the third time you watched it. But I feel like we should talk about Denny Villeneuve right now. I hope I said that correctly. Um, this dude's on fire. Um, he, I mean, his first movies were pretty small budget, but once he started with like, I guess, Prisoners, then Enemy, then Sicario, then Arrival, then Blade Runner, then Dune, like, I mean, Jared, I know you're you're not the biggest Arrival fan, but critically and just that's an understatement. But like that's that's murder. Not, not the biggest like fan that. is an understatement on how I feel about Arrival. We'll get there when we watch Arrival, but I, just, I mean, we won't. That's a hell of a lineup right there. That, that's insane. I feel like every movie is a banger. And what's great about him, y'all, correct me if I'm wrong, but. They all feel different. They don't feel like a Denny Villeneuve movie. They all fit a different tone, and they all have a different feel. Like you know, like I don't know. I'll get into some other stuff. But no, I, right I I could feel I I could feel Dune with this one. Like I could see how it's the same director, and I it's partly got to do with the the quiet tension building that I like with this one. I felt yeah. the same thing with Dune, and I feel like that's sort of his signature that I've seen through the movies I've looked through. I haven't seen all his movies, but yeah, that that's his hallmark. Yeah, I'm going to say like uh, I was just going to say like the slow burn type stuff is like absolutely what he's really good at doing and building that tension. Even when there's not necessarily action going on, it feels like something's about to happen or something's about to burst or something's like at any moment something could happen. And I think what makes his movies feel different is that really outside of well no is that he does different genres even when he's doing the same genre so for example you know prisoners has like this mystery feel to it uh sicario kind of has a little bit of that but it's also not really it's more in the thriller section i guess uh but then even his like three big sci-fi movies of like arrival blade runner and dune are all three very different style of sci-fi movies so he ends up feeling differently because he can take his style and apply it to different genres successfully which not everyone can do that I think that, that that's the point I was trying to get at is like he can succeed in almost any genre because he finds a way to make it work within that genre. He knows what works within that genre. And Blade Runner is my favorite example. That feels like Blade Runner. It's like he studied Blade Runner through and through and was like, I'm going to make a movie that fits 100% in this universe and it's going to be my movie and it worked completely. Jared, you were saying something, I think. No, and I was just saying, like, yeah, when you look at his run of movies, he didn't write, like, his run of, like, very successful movies outside of Dune with Sandy. He didn't write any of those movies. So that means this guy is just taking, you know, a little bit of feedback here or there and then being able to take the, like, the script that's, like, given and then he's able to craft this perfect picture around it. So, like, that makes him even better because, as Seth was saying, all of these movies are very different. Everything is very different, even so it's the same genre, but like they're all written by different people. Not the same person didn't write any of those movies, but they all have the same feel because he's just that good. And to jump in on that one last little thing to add, is like how you know, like Blade Runner Cyberpunk kind of deal, right? Dune is like far, far future space opera type deal, right? And then you have like Arrival, which is smart hardcore sci-fi ish and not hardcore sci-fi because obviously aliens but like very science-based type things and he's able to adapt to each of those genre conventions subverting what they need to subvert putting his style to it 
And like, that's very hard to do if you think about it, right? Like if you ever tried to read Stephen King when he goes away from horror, you see what I mean? That guy is a master of horror writing. And yet when it comes to writing fantasy or crime fiction, it gets a little weird and he can't quite pull it off, even though he reads all that stuff. I just bought two Stephen King novels that were not horror, so now I'm kind of I'm kind of concerned. <laughs> My least favorite Stephen King novel was his crime novel, Mister Mercedes. I hate that book. Oh, I'm so mad about it. Bought one that's like a pulpy book, um, Colorado oh. Man or something like that. Yeah, Colorado and, Kid. Yeah. And then I bought the one that the the stand is that the one with the kids and they find a dead body. They made no, a movie. that's the body. That's the stand book. What's the movie what call? A stand by me. That's stand what by me. So I bought the body, yeah. and I'm excited to read into that. Um, anyways, so Jared brought up the cast of this movie. This cast is fantastic, y'all. You got. I mean, it's. You know what? Let's talk about the Oscars first. Let's go to the Oscars and let's go through this list here because I feel like this could have been nominated for so many awards. Um, actor in a leading role, nada, nothing. But I do y'all feel like who's the leading man? Was it I guess it was Emily Blunt. Yeah. She was definitely the, the lead of the movie by far. Okay. So yeah. would you consider Josh Brolin a supporting? Yeah, yeah. Brolin and um Del Toro both. Yep. I can cons- yeah, I consider both of them supporting, even though they're the more interesting characters in the movie. But yeah, they definitely I uh, put would put under support. Yeah, and so I think like obviously Benicio was robbed because when you look at the list of best supporting actor, like you have Tom Hardy for the Revenant. Like, dude, what? No, I love Tom wait. Hardy, but no, yeah. not not even like but no. <laughs> Paul Gleason was a better supporting actor anyways in that movie. Not Tom Hardy of all fucking people. And, like, I don't know. That one just annoys me. Obviously, Sly definitely should have been nominated for Creed. He was so good um, in that movie. And Christian Bale for Big Short, yeah. But two, uh, but Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies. That movie was a fucking snooze fest. <laughs> I, like, I, saw it, I saw part of it. I was like, I'm so bored. I'm out of this. No, no, no. Seriously. Dude, it took me, like, three days to finish that movie. It was, it was so boring. Um, but uh, Mark Ruffalo's Spotlight was good. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody, it was just like an ensemble cast movie that was really good. Um, but holy shit, Tom Hardy is the most egregious thing on this list. I do feel like Christian Bell, anytime he's in a movie, is probably worthy of being nominated. He's just so good. But let's be real, The Big Short is not a role that caused him to like dive deep into character and be great. It's just, I don't think maybe this is... Obviously, get rid of Tom Hardy. But if you're going to get rid of someone else on this list, Christian Bell, he has better movies where he's not nominated. You know, that's that's my take. I think Benicio should have been on this list for sure. He was. And then when we get to like best original screenplay, like, are you kidding me? Like Taylor Sheridan was in his fucking bag. Westerns get they. I mean, this isn't really a full western to be fair, but like they do not like. Yeah, they don't like they don't. it in the Oscars. And you're right. Because then when you look at Best Original, obviously Spotlight, yes. Okay, whatever. But then here we go. Bridge of Spies again. Are you fucking kidding me? Boring ass. Go off. Ex man. Machina. Great movie. 
Great movie. Inside Out, great movie, straight out of Compton. How is this an original screenplay? This shit is adapted. Life? Is there a book? I don't Sicario know. Sicario or? No, no. Or or straight, straight, out out of straight out of Compton. I don't know. That yeah, is, it was written. Yeah, it is adapted. Adapted from rap music. Rap, yeah, but it is. And Jordan, don't, don't, don't use logic. I'm, I'm being illogical right now. Yeah, okay. I'm like, uh, self-admitting. I'm being illogical. Jordan, don't right. use logic. I love it. It's my new username. Uh, no. Uh, but yeah, no. Those are the two categories I really think that should have been nominated for for best supporting actor and um, best original screenplay. But then the three categories that lost, it lost best sound editing. Um, best cinematography and um, oh, what was the other one? I was it musical that. score? Uh, yeah, uh, original score. And so, like original score, it was should have won. No, no, Should've it was won. the late great Ennio Morricone's last movie, buddy. If a late had it, I hated the shit out of that movie, but it had a great score. Wait, there. Wait, hey, no, hold on. hold on, time out before you even say something. Am I defending? Am I defending a Quentin Tarantino movie at the moment? You are. And oh, I'm boy. upset at this because here's the deal. I've it's watched both of those movie. movies, <laughs> and first of all, this movie's music worked perfectly for this movie. I mean, it was perfect. Whereas the Hateful Eight may have been fine for the score, but it did nothing for that terrible long ass movie. And you're right. You're th- right. This movie was like this music was perfect for it because constantly you felt like, oh shit, something's about to happen. It set all the tone, mood, everything of this movie so well. So I, I'm not saying the dude's bad. I ain't saying the music was bad. I'm just saying there's no way it worked as well as this. And I think that should be considered in consideration when you're looking at the Oscars because what good is a people piece, piece of music if it doesn't help the movie? Just saying. True. 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 But I mean, like, Hateful Eight was so bad, I don't think anything could have helped that movie. Nothing. Walton Goggins couldn't even help that movie. Or Goggins, how do you say his name? It's a bit of a disappointment. A bit of a... Oh my god, that's an understatement of the year. I want to... That's an understatement of the year. Oof. Sorry, I love westerns. And And then, like, I really... (laughs) Sorry, last one on the Oscars. Uh, Best Sound Mm -hmm. Editing... So just even to mention like that, like the use of like negative sound or like no sound, then you hear like a little bit of cicadas or a little bit of the, the, you know, just the, the cities, the sounds of the cities just like felt real. And Can then I all say, of a sudden you just hear, oh, go ahead, Jordan. I was going to say their gunfire on a was Boy. Kiss Shep on this movie, like, getting it accurate. <laughs> and the so, thing. like, even the point where they would just do, like, dead silence, and then yeah. all of a sudden just gunfire, and it just felt, like, so real, and it's like, oh, my God, am I being hit in the chest with this sound? And like, even, like, the one where they first go into the city, and you, you hear it in the background, and it's slowly growing in the background, that that sound effect for the, the gunfire was great. See, just my ad, because you were talking about sound effect. The shooting inside the tunnel, and Emily oh, runs, yes. like, and it gets louder and louder, and she's like, "I gotta go in this fucking tunnel," <laughs> you know. And like she, ha- you see her kind of make a decision on her face, like, "I have to cross this, this tunnel right now, like this, mm-hmm. this hallway." And-, and then not even like, 
when it comes to like the fucking sound when Benicio like walked up to the dinner table and sat down with the cartel it's just like it was complete silence and like even this even goes back to directing you just sat in that moment with no sound and I'm like holy shit like that 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 was one of those moments where it makes you like sit up in your chair and you're like oh boy I just want everyone to know I've just been sitting here nodding my head yes to everything that's being said because it's so spot on. Nothing to and add. Then, just want to go ahead and say. And yes. then also that that sound, the silent pistol to me, they they nailed it because a lot of times in the movie they make it too quiet. I'm like, no, they're not that. It's still quite loud. But, Again, like the only other yeah. movie that I feel like has gotten it extremely right is like uh, No Country for Old Men. But just mm-hmm. every other movie it's just like pew, pew. And like, what? <laughs> I want to before we leave uh, the Oscar talk. I want to talk about the cinematography real quick because it's it's easy to get nominated when you have a great cinematographer working on a setting that has a lot to look at. There's not a lot to look at in this movie. It's just desert, and they find interesting ways to keep you interested in the movie through these kind of just dull conversations, you know. And I thought. That's a fantastic job by the cinematographer. And then he goes apeshit crazy and pulls some shit out of his bag when he does the, the night vision and the black oh, and white stuff. Yes. Like, oh, he's just having fun now. But aside from the stuff where it's obviously like this guy is just on top of his game, Roger Deakins, the stuff where it's just the desert in Arizona, just that kind of stuff. He found a way to make it stand out and not look boring. And that, I think that's something... And- can we i hold on sorry seth fucking love the fact that they showed the environment they showed the city and they didn't put some fucking bullshit ass filter over it <laughs> oh it's a third world country dude mm, fuck y'all for doing that i'm looking at you traffic fuck you um yeah go ahead seth i'm sorry no no you're good uh the other thing i was going to add to that too is like you know, you, you watch a lot of uh, these darker movies, and I feel like it's safe to say that this is definitely a darker-toned movie uh, in which they oversaturate the darkness to the point where, like, you're like, oh, shit, I got to turn my screen brightness up so I can actually <laughs> see what the hell is going on. And, yeah. like, the only times that it's like that is it's intentionally like that, and so it works really well. Where Like in the tunnel, especially when they're walking in at first and all you see is, like, the outline, you're just supposed to be that dark. But, like... It's not dark to be dark, and it's only dark when it's supposed to be. And they lighten it, lighten up the screen so you can see it as you're supposed to do that. And so, I don't know. In a, the last couple years, Game of Thrones, Battle of Winterfell, looking at you, uh, you get these big, really overly dark scenes that you can't see crap on, and it's supposed to be atmospheric, but it completely fails and misses the point. It's nice to see a movie that's really dark and then intentionally dark. And then use really well. So going back to like when Ray was like, you know, with the night vision goggles to kind of break up some of it and everything. I don't know. It was it really was really well done. This movie wasn't even nominated for Best Picture, which is kind of nuts. Or oh, director. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got. Oh no, we director. Got, yeah, Spotlight, Big Short, Bridge of Spot. Oh my God, I get Bridge of Spot. Go the fuck away. Go away. It's just the Academy love Bridge of Spies. What can I say? <laughs> Just because it's Spielberg and fucking Tom Hanks. The movie sucked. Alright, so let's move on. Um, 
Is there, you know what would be fun to do? Is there anything, actually, no, before we do that, what is your favorite Denis Villeneuve movie? Seth, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to say Dune. I absolutely love Dune. However, it is tied for first. It's tied with first. I just want you to know this. It is tied for first with Arrival because I absolutely love the ever-living crap out of Arrival. And I'm not even saying that to troll Jared. I love movies that deal with time like that. Ironically enough, Jared always says he'd rather watch Watchmen than watch Arrival. And Watchmen's the other movie that deals with time in the way that I love. So that's ironic. But yes. But I love Dune and I love Arrival. And it's like a 1A, 1B depending on my mood for the day. Jared? Uh, it's this movie. Um, and I, really? I would, would, have said, would have said by far, until I watched Doom, then I'm like, eh, it's, it's kind of close. It's cutting it close. But yeah, still this movie, Dune is too. I'm such a whore for Blade Runner that I, I have to put 2049 up there because it just, it, it did it. It landed the fucking plane and delivered. It's like, I can't believe you made a sequel to Blade Runner and it was good. Oh no! Disrespect to Blade Runner. No disrespect to 2049. Like it's still great. It's up there. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah. But I'm such a fan of that first movie that, like, I was like, there ain't no way it lives up to it, and it found a way. So, Jordan, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to go with Dune just because so many people have tried it, and this was always considered like the unfilmable movie, and I felt like he did a great job of explaining the weirdness and then showing it on screen and like making it reasonable because i remember watching dude and it was all of a sudden like things that click in my head where i've seen the other stuff in dude and heard about the movie uh, or the books and stuff and all of a sudden it makes more sense watching it in this movie so i'm going to go with dune just because that was such a hard task to accomplish this was the first time that no matter what movie y'all said i wasn't going to judge y'all <laughs> like you could have said prisoners and I would have been like I get that I understand that I can see that to make any IP like I want him to make any movie and if he's attached to any franchise I love I'm like oh thank god it's in safe hands you know he goes and makes the next Star Wars series <laughs> that would be funny oh he wouldn't do that though because he's doing Dune and that's what he but Oh man, can you imagine? No, I need him. I need him to make a fucking horror movie. That's what I really need. Holy shit. Give oh my him god, could he? Yes. Give him oh a, my. Give, me, give him an A24 horror script because their scripts are normally good. Their directors are pretty ass when they pick up those movies. Um, They're just a little too over the top with it. He does not yeah, over yeah. the top. He doesn't so, try hard. Yeah, does. so that's why I say give him the script because the scripts are normally yes. good because you, you get the vision. They just go overboard. So give him an A24 horror script. Buddy, I'm there opening night. Midnight give release. him a slasher or something. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, the, way he, the way he does tension. Oh, yes. That's what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. My mindset is in horror because Seth now is I got a comment about that. Don't judge me. Take a second before you respond. It oh, won't man. happen because it just got done. But him making a Hellraiser right. movie would be next level for me. Taking that dark concept and just like making an actual good story out of that would be frightening to me. Because that movie scares the shit out of me because demons and devils and shit. I just can't do it. And him doing that would be crazy for me. 
I also wanted to do an epic, and he's supposed to be doing Cleopatra, and so I'm excited for that because that's the other genre I really want to see, like a historical epic, like you know, ancient times type epic. I would love to see what he would do with that, visually speaking. Like sandals and and swords. Yeah, like yeah. gladiator type movie. Like not Gladi- gladiator. is a great movie. I'm not knocking gladiator. It's also one of my favorite movies, but just that type of era. I would love to see him do a story. So who's your, who? I think Benicio. We all agree is the best part of this movie. But um, let's talk about Emily Blunt. How do y'all feel about her in this movie? I thought she did a really good job. Like honestly, if it wasn't for like, like Josh Brolin, yeah, he's good. But like he's third. But if it wasn't for Benicio's like outstanding performance, like she would. She's by far like. It's like one A and one, I guess, B-ish. She's really good because she shows a lot of emotion. She does a really good job of showing emotion. And I think that's the part for me that really just like like sold it for me. She did a really good job of showing, showing that facial emotion. And then even going in with, with uh, Denise's directing style, I thought it was like a match made in heaven. I thought she did great being literally the only woman in the movie and just standing toe-to-toe with all these men and just like, yeah, I belong here. I thought she was fantastic. <laughs> um, Jordan, any thoughts on Brolin or anybody? Let's talk about Brolin. Let's talk about uh, Brolin. Brolin, yeah. Uh, I, I like him. He playing the casual spook character, working for the CIA and everything, and I enjoyed his character quite a bit. Uh, and having his like cover-ups, and then me trying to slowly figure him out of why he has Emily Blunt in this movie, I thought was really interesting when I fa- figured out why. Uh, since he can't, uh, he's not allowed to operate uh, yeah. in country. Oh, and yeah. so they have to use an FBI agent. And so I like that. And it's sort of like one of those things where it makes characters all fit together real well why they're involved. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, Emily Blunt, like, especially my third time through, I think any other actress, just about any other actress, probably would have fumbled the ball because she's a character that's really easy to get annoying when you're watching it because she's the one who's constantly crying foul while these other people are trying to do something. And, you know... You're like, oh, yeah, these guys are the bad guys. These are the good guys. And she's the one that's constantly acting as the moral conscience person. And that character is really hard to pull off without getting annoying. For example, you can watch Walking Dead. And there's a reason why they kill off the moral conscience of that show every season. Because those characters get annoying. Because no one likes to – they want to see the action. They want to see – especially in a movie, right? You don't want to hear someone going like, hey, maybe this isn't the right thing to do. Maybe this is bad. Maybe you shouldn't do this. Meanwhile, you know, that's preventing us from watching the action and enjoying the action. So that's a tough role to pull off, and I think she did it. But Josh Brolin's still number two. Like, she's number three, but that's because, like, Mm. Josh Brolin did fantastic in this movie as the uh, CIA guy for me. Although I love Emily Blunt in it, and I'm not knocking her for it. She had a tough job, and she pulled it off. We had Benicio Del Toro show up who just kind of stole the show. Who, By the way, watching him, I was like, this dude is... Like secretly, really handsome when he wants to be. Like, he looked like Brad Pitt in some shots. Like, <laughs> uh, he can, but when he turns it on, that dude is 
fantastic. And I'm like, why is he not in every great movie? I just don't understand it. Like, he's so damn good in this movie. And you're right, Jared, the best scene for me, which we're, I guess I'm spoiling, is just the dinner scene at the end, him sitting down with the family and just talking. You know, and holding dude, just the look on his face, he was, like, he, he, he was tired. He looked tired. He looked worn. He looked weathered. But then, like, his motivation, like, nothing will stop this man to get that. And just when he's sitting at the table and you just look at his face and he's like, this man is done. Like, he's just physically, like, just worn out. Like, cannot do it anymore. But then he started talking. And then yeah. he was like, "It it's personal for me. And then it's just like, holy shit, this man is like, Benicio Del Toro was in his bag. I'm shit. Dude, that was a perfect scene. Um, we'll dive into him too as we get, talk about more of the scenes. But we have some character actors that pop up. We have John Bernthal, who when he showed up, he saved the middle part of the movie for me. I was like, where are we going? And then, oh shit, my man Birdthal's here. And then Victor Garber, he's bounced around forever. He's, uh, I guess he's like the CI or FBI boss that we the... haven't even talked about fucking Daniel Kaluuya. That or who I was going to bring up next is because on IMDb, yeah. he's literally the next one up. Daniel Kaluuya, the rising star. Uh, was this before or after Black Mirror? Uh, this was oh, this is 2015. Call. I forgot because this season of Black Mirror was a long time ago. Let me look that up. Yeah, because that was the first time I saw him. We also have um Jeffrey Donovan from uh Burn Notice. We got Mr. Burn Notice right here. It was uh after Black Mirror. Black Mirror was this, but then I want to say Black Mirror didn't even drop in the U.S. until like 2015, so right around when this dropped or 2016 or something like that. So we actually didn't even get to see it. Well, the last one I'll mention real quick is we have Agent Sitwell from the Marvel movies here as the corrupt cop with the family um, taking his kid to soccer. So, huh? I knew he looked familiar. I couldn't think of who he was. He looked familiar. I couldn't place him. That makes sense. But just even the supporting character actors that pop up are like, damn, they got John Berthold to do like 10 minutes in this movie? You know, it's crazy. Um, just a good cast. They all mesh well together, too. Any any thoughts on the cast? I don't want to move on until you all say your piece. Yes. Jeffrey Donovan was fantastic in this movie in the very small role that he had and playing a somewhat character like Michael and then also a very different character, though, from Burton Notice at the same time. And I enjoyed him immensely. And John Bernthal deserves more credit. I do have Can I say kudos for him for his weapon handling? Dude, when he shot up that car... Chef, that, that was another one that was like the weapon handling when he did that. Oh, so good. Um, you just reminded me what this... I have a note that says, does Burn Notice have an STD? And I'm trying to remember... And that was a line in the movie. So I was like, okay, yeah. Yes, there it is. It burns when I pee. <laughs> it was such a weird line, but it was delivered so well that it just felt... It made them feel more believable. It's one of those things. Like There was no wasted energy in this movie. Okay, so you know what would be fun to do? Let's talk about, let's see if we can find some things to complain about. Is there anything negative, not negative, but something that you, that you wish were maybe a little bit different, or maybe even negative, just something that you put in the negative category for this movie? J. 
Jared, you're leaning forward. I'm thinking, do you have one thing? I would have just liked more time with Benicio del Toro just going scorched earth campaign. I. Ooh, that'd be a whole movie. I like. No, no, no. It fit. It fit. Like his entire arc fit and how it was slow played and drawn out because it showed he's very methodical. He's very like, I plan everything out. I do everything about the book. I'm so like tactical. I'll never make a mistake. I would have just liked to see more of him just doing that because I'm like, hey, man. Because in that third act, he was just on one. And I was like, I want more of this. But I understand, like, everything fit perfectly. But yeah. just, if and I could, can you just give me that third act, uh, like, 20 minutes longer? Apparently, yes. that's what he does in the second movie that I have not watched that's yet. That's what I was about to say. That's like, what that, <laughs> that might be the second movie. Yeah. Like, can I just say that that's pretty much just straight up the Punisher movie. <laughs> yes, because I was thinking the whole time I was like, pretty much the better Punisher. <laughs> like a, a hitman movie starring him, because that's all I wanted after watching him in the house, like just taking people that's what out. We got. Really, Sicario too? Our hitman. I was just saying, but Sicario. That's kind of what two is about, though. It's him and Josh Brolin going at it. What well, kind of got to watch that now? Um, what was what were we talking about? Oh, negatives. Okay, uh, you do you have yeah. anything? I can't think of much. I enjoyed the pacing. Uh, right at two hours seemed perfect timing for this movie. <sighs> I really can't think of much anything I could complain about. The only thing is because I, I got how they got the FBI involved. My only question is, is how would they legalize having the Delta Force operators operating in country? That's the only thing I would want them to answer. And that's just more me trying to figure out the legality of what they're doing. Because they were very specific in this movie, which I like to bring up, like, how are they making this legal? And so that that's probably my only nitpick. Because it's not you normally don't have Army oper- uh, Special Forces guys <laughs> operating inside the United States. I'm too ignorant to know if that's illegal or not, so it didn't bother me. Like, I don't know the ins and outs of that, you know? Yeah, Uh, Yeah, because, like, I love the fact that she brought up, like, hey, he's a spook. He's supposed to be outside our fence, not inside our fence, uh, with uh, Josh Brolin's character. Seth, you got anything? If I had anything, and this is going really and digging really, really, really deep into it, it's that I would have liked... And it would have gone more into exposition, which this movie really didn't do a whole lot of. Or when it did, it did it so naturally, it didn't feel like exposition. And that would have been a little bit more of a justification for Kate's stance being so strong as it was. I mean, she almost almost committed suicide over it. And it's really hard when you hear stories and you see the House of Horrors in Arizona to be like, oh, well, you know, these guys are doing the wrong thing, even if they are. I mean, after all, I mean, when I first watched this movie, I was still trying to process the dinner scene, the end of the dinner scene, uh, as the final ending scene of the movie was happening. So I even missed some details, some of the small details I was talking about. So I'm like, you want to rewatch it, uh, and you know that's coming, you're able to process the next scene a little bit more. But it would have been to like just have a better understanding of why she was such an objector to like what was going on, because mm-hmm. I felt like at times it got annoying. Which is why I was alluding to earlier when I was like, you know, she pulled off a role that's really annoying 
to have in a movie. And so that would have been the only things. Maybe have her do a little bit more of a counterpoint to what we're seeing than what she did, other than just stamping her foot sometimes. Well, say at the end one with Del Toro when uh, she was supposed to sign that paperwork. To be fair, Del Del Toro did shoot her earlier in the movie. Oh, no, no. I don't, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't blame her for signing. That was a great scene. Like I, yeah. that's actually one of the things I loved about it because how many times does the hero like, like they're oh it's my name I'm not going to sign I'm never going to sign and all this stuff. Yeah, and she did what I thought was realistic and she actually did sign. And I'm like, which I just thought was amazing because it's just not what I mean. The bad guys, the bad guys won, kind of. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's a question guy. like who's the bad guy? I mean, he did kill two kids. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And woman who is relatively innocent. So my only complaint, I'm, and it's not really a complaint. I just need you guys to walk me through this because you can make it, make it make sense for me. It's early on; they have that briefing, and you know mm-hmm. she's a part of it. And they're like, "All right, let's go." And she's like, "Wait, what the fuck am I doing?" Like, no one's telling me anything. And so she asks them, and they start making her feel bad. Like, "Hey, are you are you with us or not?" And in my head, I'm like, bitch, I don't even know what I'm doing when I'm with you. Like, give me some context yeah. here. And they don't fill her in at all. And they treat her as if she's not a part of it because she's asking these questions. And I think, I was like, no, nah, I don't yeah, buy I was that. Like, give no, her I mean, can, I, can I get this real quick? I, yeah. I would, oh, you're, uh, yeah. They basically wanted her as a rubber stamp. They purposely pick her out. If you listen to the beginning... Because, yes, she's uh, good and she's qualified, but they purposely get someone who's less experienced in this area because they want them to basically just have her sit to the side because, in all actuality, this is supposed to be her op. This is supposed to be all be done by the FBI, but the CIA is the one that wants to actually be running it. So that's why they're just, like, pushing her to the side the whole time. That's why there was no lawyer. She, he didn't want a lawyer involved. A guy with a lawyer yeah. back. And that's uh, how come, also what I liked, when uh, she was bringing along Daniel, he couldn't push him away because it's supposed to be the FBI uh, operation. So that was the other thing I liked uh, with him. Because before, you would just think he'd be like, get out of here, go, go. But he can't because he doesn't have the authority to. And so they basically wanted to keep her on her heels so that way she wouldn't really like be able to necessarily just call it off and walk away kind of deal. So they kept yeah. her on her heels and kept her focused on like, do you want to get back for the house of horrors that you saw that kind of deal? So like she, he intentionally was leaving her role vague to keep her, you know, back. So I feel okay. So now it's not a complaint about the movie. Now it's a Brolin. What are you doing? Just feed her some fake information and keep her happy and go on with your life. Quit making her like question everything, you know? So I, I don't know. Man, it's not a complaint now. I, I get it. What's up, yeah. Jared? Oh, no. I was like, it still worked. Well, it worked, but yeah. I was like, it would have saved you a headache if you just told her some bullshit. Um, okay. But then she might, he, he probably knew that she was smart enough. If you feed her bullshit, then she'd figure it out. That feed was her bullshit. enough of the truth, then. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Okay, Any anything in particular that you guys want to talk about before we go to the categories? Or we can just hit the categories and talk about those things. Because I feel like the things you guys want to talk about, that I want to talk about at least, are like the scenes that stand out. Am I wrong? Yeah, let's go to those like... categories, I feel like. All right. 
MVP of the movie, <laughs> Benicio del Toro. Do we even have to vote? Mm. No. Or Dennis Villeneuve, Villeneuve. I'm going. No, I'm going Taylor Sheridan. This was a perfectly written movie. Okay. I love Taylor Sheridan. Even I can't. I can't do that because after watching his trio, his little western trios, the Hell or High Water, uh, or Hell or High Water, uh, Wind River, and Sicario, there is a massive gulf between the three and the way that they are shot. I can't. I mean, Taylor Sheridan did great. I love Taylor Sheridan's work, but he even wrote the sequel, which is why I'm semi excited for it. But uh, it's obviously John Bernthal. Yeah, shut up. What's your What's your pick? I'm just kidding. Benito Sotoro. I just wanted to make the John Bernthal reference because, uh, well, I have a uh, great love for John Bernthal, and I feel like if him and Jamie Foxx had swapped in Baby Driver, Baby Driver would have become the most perfect movie of all time. Oh no! Was Jamie Foxx in Baby Driver? Yeah. No. Unfortunately. No. Yes. Yes. Wait, I'm, I'm just curious now. They are both. Yeah, that's what he said. They switch roles. Would have been a perfect movie. I don't remember. I don't remember enough about it to have an opinion. But Jared's clearly upset. Jared, speak your uh, piece. Th- this isn't. This isn't a Baby Driver yeah. podcast. He's baiting you. Uh, yes, this is a bait. I will not fall for it. I will not take the bait. We are good. Is, is this close <laughs> to falling for it? Buddy? I was. <laughs> Jordan, MVP. <sighs> He's I'm going to go this. with Denise uh, Villa- Nueva. Villanueva. Villanueva. Okay, good. I'm sorry. I see it as like Spanish. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> uh, I just because of the pacing and just just a clean cut movie. Just it, it's all the mixtures of a movie I like like this. When you've got a spy thriller, this to me is like uh, the successor to uh, some of all or not some of all fears. Uh, clear and present danger. Basically, I feel like it falls into this world. I was joking if I broke back mountain comment. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. So, what's next on the categories? Oh my god, I don't have my list pulled up. Where is it? Wait, does that mean that's okay, now, one? Right. Uh, did you vote for? Yeah, him? That, uh, I did. Yeah, that, that was actually... yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to argue that one bit. Yeah, they're all like, you know, like this is one of those years where it's like anyone could win, and you're not mad, right? Um, six man. Uh, I'm going with Emily Blunt for my six man. Six man job. with Emily Lead actress of the movie. What the hell? <laughs> I no, I mean because she got she, she could be the lead actress, but as soon as Del Toro like took the screen, I, like this is my movie now. So she's still a starter. I, yeah, I, she's still on the. She's not on the bench, so we can't. She is, she, is, uh, she is Christian Wood for the Dallas Mavericks this year. So, um, I'm don't insult her like that. Whoa, whoa, hold up, hold up. You guys have Christian Wood, you can have him. Um, he's great. I mean, we only gave up Max Cleaver for him, so I mean, like, fine, we got him for pennies. Yeah, you did. It was a good trade <laughs> for you guys. Um, all right, um, so it's either really John Bernthal. 
or oh. it's Jeff. Oh, it's six man, six man. It's not I'm going Daniel Kalua. I'm going Daniel yeah. Kalua. Daniel Kalua or John Berthold for you. My, mine's Jeffrey Donovan just because I enjoyed his time immensely. Well, and I love John Berthold. I really do love John Berthold, joking aside. Uh, and John Berthold did a great job, especially playing the villain turned kind of little bitch, uh, which is not his normal, you know, move. But Jeffrey Donovan was one of the few humorous bits in this that didn't seem sinister exactly. You know, it did kind of seem like a douchebag. And I love that. It was a great little moments of levity that were not really in this movie all that much. So I love Jeffrey Donovan you for were, this one. You were leaning Kahlua? He is in the second movie, so maybe we shall go watch the second movie. <laughs> who is Kahlua? Jeffrey Donovan. Jeffrey Donovan. Oh, okay. Who are you, who's your pick, Jordan? D- uh, Daniel Kahlua. I enjoyed his character, especially that they added the bit of legal on him and him trying to figure out because uh, his little plot line helps little drops help me understand yeah. this movie better on what's going on with the operation and why is it seem like this should not be legal and then he has little explanations of everything help me understand and I like that um, we don't need to have a Russell Westbrook award we're not taking anything out of this movie I also feel like Everyone is going to be terrible to hang with on a road trip. We can go ahead and skip that category. Y'all cool with that? Or y'all want to hit that y'all, category? Y'all, you, you want to hang Josh, out? Even with- <laughs> Josh Brolin's character, Jeffrey Donovan, I feel like if they're not on mission or something, they might be some cool people to hang out with. Actually, no. Let's do it. So, number one, I'm going on a road trip with... Uh-oh. It's a... <laughs> oh my God. Seth is shaking his head. Del Toro? Sorry. Yes. Benicio Del Toro. Why? <laughs> because if one motherfucker cuts us off on the road, <laughs> hey, it'll never happen again. We will have the smoothest sailing road trip because if anybody crosses us, it's a wrap for them because, hey, my... The guy riding shotgun is riding with a shotgun. We're good. I would least like to go with John Bernthal. Yeah. You can't trust him. No, I'm not going to take you on this road trip. What if I want to get into some illegal slash illicit activities? What the fuck, bro? You're trying to play both sides? Get the fuck out of here. You went from so wrong to so right all in the same time. That was impressive. (laughs) (laughs) Del Toro is the worst person to go with. When you can pick Brolin's character or Donovan's character, get the same exact benefit, and also have them at least be able to crack a smile. I'm just saying. Fair is fair. Fair is fair. John Bernthal is the correct answer, though, as far as who you you not, not go with on this trip. Like, There's literally no one worse to go on this trip with. The, the dude has no chill factor, man. That's all I'm going to say. So that's why I would not want to bum. But most of all, yes, the J- John Pernthal's character. Dude, that guy was slimy as hell. <laughs> Just like, nope. You that is so like a choice. <laughs> hell yeah, bro. You're trying to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't funny. So you trying to kill me? 
<laughs> no shit, dude. Fucking I mean, dirty no. cop trying to kill me. I will say this, though. He wasn't sent there to actually kill her, so I get kind of why he was so shocked by that. But at the same time, it's like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> I mean, she, she, you work for a corrupt syndicate that kills people. She's automatically going to assume you're there to kill her. Like, come on now. Yeah, he did seem like the sp- smartest tool, in the sharpest tool in the shed there in this, but you know, in this movie. He really did do a good job, though, because I'm telling you, like... You know, he came across so charming that John Bernthal, and so you're, like, not really suspecting too much from this guy because he's not usually playing the bad guy. He's playing anti-hero at worst. And then he really just became, like, a complete slimy, just unlikable person very, very rapidly. His best acting was in the police car when he had that moment of realization, like, oh, I'm in way over my head. I thought I was just taking (laughs) money on the side. He's like, I got a daughter, please, like, whatever it takes. That whole scene, where, like, because I, I put myself in that situation. I was like, I will do whatever you want me to to make sure my daughter and my wife are fine. Like, I was, I would do whatever, you know? And I kind of felt for him in that situation, weirdly yeah. enough. Yes, and Del Toro's character, this one thing about this movie I really liked about them and Del Toro's character, because they did this multiple times, where they put him in a position in which someone mentions a daughter, and you think, oh, okay, because he lost his daughter, he was going to be more sympathetic, and he was like, I give no shits. Like, that. Yeah away from me and i am going to act that makes him i like mentioning a daughter just pisses him off even more oh yeah, i but, had a daughter once but he even does that daughter? Daughter? yes uh like like the fact that when bernthal mentions it you know he goes that when someone else mentions it you know he gets you know like the fact that he has a son or something the cop he's like he gives no shit like you think he will but he doesn't even when he mentions it himself about Emily Blunt's character at the end. Um, I think you're all pretty crazy. I would not have Benicio Del Toro anywhere near me on this road trip. I like to hang out with people who aren't in the cartel. Um, sorry for the echo. Someone's laptop is echoing. And, um, that, uh, so, Jared, you're, you're, you're absolutely insane. Um, I, I would write solo. I'm not hanging out with anybody. I'm riding solo. I, just me, myself, and I. I ain't bringing anybody. Um, Rotten Tomatoes game, y'all. Are you ready? Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. Um, okay. This is going to be... <laughs> so last week, Yorton won again. Um, Seth, were you closer than Jared? I think so. Matter. Oh, okay. Let's just say you were. Jared, you're going first. Seth is second. Yorton last. Oh, this movie is 100% getting an 84. Oh, okay. It's a great-ass movie. But some people may be turned off by the excessive violence. Because sometimes critics yeah. are pansies. I'm going to 84. Uh, okay. Seth? Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, I feel like this is far away, but if it's not, Jared did this to me last time, so I don't give a shit. Uh, I'm going to go with 88, uh, only because I agree with Jared. I feel like some people were put off, but I feel like more people probably liked it than didn't. So I'm staying... I'm going to stick with 88. And Jordan? I'm going to call... My number 92, because I feel like this movie... I, I can't think of one critic 
that was like said anything negative about this movie and it wasn't Oscars. And did I get it right on the dot by the laughter there? Oh, let me tell the story. Um, okay. First of all, this movie has an 85 audience score. And once y'all didn't take the number, the number 92 and you left it open for Yorton to take, I was like, oh, Yorton's going to pick 92 like he always does. And I was hoping he did. And he did. And because he did, he got it right on the dot. This movie got a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yorton gets a two-point lead on everybody now. Oh, my God. The year of Yorton continues. I, but I am glad he won, because this movie deserves that, and it deserves a higher audience score. As soon as Jared said his score, yeah. uh, score, I was like, no, 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 no. This movie's going to be higher. And I was like, I've got this well, one. I mean, I figured it would be higher, but just like some critics are just turned off by like excessive violence, and this movie had it. So it's it had like, violence, but it's not a violent movie, I feel well, like. Well, I mean, because like, the violence is very quick, and you don't see that much of it. I want to read Anyways. the first rotten review I see. Hold on. Ooh, I got to go to the second page to find one. Hold on here. Someone's right. going to have to have a pretty hot take to have a broad view of this movie. Something Personal say revenge. Say. Here we go. Here we go. Joanne Laurier from World Socialist Website. Personal Revenge it's is one socialist, of the cheapest. That's why. <laughs> Personal Revenge is one of the cheapest, laziest, and most retrograde approaches possible. Oh, okay. Um. All right, that's that's. I don't think we're supposed to feel like Del Toro was like justified with his revenge in this movie. Yeah, it's not a guy you root for, I'm I, sure. I'll say I would argue that you're supposed to feel very conflicted about Del Toro's character, not like yes, do yes. this revenge tour. More like, ooh, I get it, but mm, I don't know if I how I feel that's, about that. That's like the whole reason why we had the one cop like. Playing with his kid with soccer that later gets shot by him. I feel yeah. like, yeah, it, this is not the correct way to go with he, it. He shot two kids at the dinner table. Yes. And yes. He, and an innocent woman. I feel like at a certain point, you're like, okay, I totally get it. I totally get it. Completely get why he did it. At the same time, a little, a little messed up. Yes, because this is a great example of something where it's like, I understand why he did this, but it doesn't mean I agree with you. Because, you know, a lot of times people lose the difference of agreeing with something and, like, understanding, where they're like, oh, you don't get this. No, 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 no. I get it. I understand. I just don't agree with it. Um, all right. Our, uh, I'm assuming we're all going to recommend this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So this is the real question. Is this a Hall of Famer? Is this a movie you're going to watch over and over? Yorton, you go first. Uh, my big question is how many times I want to see it, because I want to see it again, because I just want to pick up. It's this movie I feel like the more I watch it, there's more of the little things I'll pick up on it, on on what's going on. And just I think I'm going to enjoy seeing the pieces come together on a rewatch. So, right. yes, I am going to put on my Hall of Fame. All right, you psychopath. Good job for you. Jared? Dude, you put... What do you mean, psychopath? You fucking put Roadhouse... And I just watched Roadhouse last week. And 
He pulls a guy out of his throat. No, I'm putting this movie in the Hall of Fame, but I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. No, no, no you're no, talking no. about the Roadhouse, which you watched again. Literally, you watched no, no, it again. I put Roadhouse in the Blockbuster Hall of Fame. I'm putting yeah. this movie in the Hall of Fame. I'm calling you out because you called Jordan a psychopath for trying to rewatch this movie. Dude, Roadhouse is just as violent, if not more. It's not the violence. It's. It's the tone. I'm not hating on this movie. It's just not like an atmosphere I want to live in for more than once or twice in my life. You know, mm, like. But yet, I want to live in the atmosphere of Roadhouse. Yeah, that dude scratching his back with a shotgun. All right, uh, there's jokes. It's unintentionally funny. It's they're it's practicing tough. gun safety in this movie. <laughs> they are. That's not fun. Um. Oh boy, yes. This Hall of Fame for me, yes. So here's the deal. Uh when it when it comes to this movie, I wouldn't want to watch it every single week. I wouldn't want to watch it every single month, but I would want to watch it like at least once a year. And I would have no problems rewatching it once a year because it's fantastic and it's great. Uh and so for me it's going in the Hall of Fame because I can rewatch it at least once a year and not get tired of it. I could probably even watch it twice a year and not get tired of it. And to me, if it's rewatchable and it's a fantastic movie that I would recommend, I don't see how I can not not put it in the Hall of Fame. So it's going in to the Hall of Fame. Sicario's going in, y'all. And it's honestly, even though I don't I wouldn't put it in there, it's honestly a top three movie that we've watched in my mind. I think it's a top three movie on this podcast. So or it's arguably. I don't know. I have to go through my list again, but it's up there. It's a fantastic movie. And uh my co hosts are psychopaths. Um, all right, Yorton, we are starting horror week, not horror week, horror week. So <laughs> I need you to specify what scary movie are you going to watch or make us watch? I, you know what I want to watch, especially with, with all what we're going to talk about uh, soon. I want us all to watch uh, the werewolf, uh, Marvel werewolf thing. Because I feel like that's going to be a fun talk to, to talk about. I just watched it. Werewolf by Night. I know you did. <laughs> I know you well, did. I, I was like, yes. I wanna, like, because I'm just so fascinated. I haven't seen it yet because I wanted to bring it up as this movie pick just because it seems like so different. And I know we typically don't do Marvel stuff, but I wanted to put this one in because of how different it feels. Absolutely. Jared, have you seen this yet? Uh, no, I am trying to finish the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre trill- quadrilogy, quintilogy, quint, What are you calling uh, this, this movie? Pintilogy? Pintilogy, yeah. There's five in the original storyline. Gotcha, okay. And Seth, have you seen it? I have not. I was actually on the fence if I wanted to watch it or not. I kind of wanted to watch it, so now I have a reason to. No, it's good. It's a fun time. It's also like 45 minutes, so perfect. Um, Super skeptical, but okay. I mean, if you like monster movies, you're going to like it. Um, all right, y'all. So we'll talk about that next week. We're going to watch Werewolf by Night. Thank you guys for hopping on. Um, all right, man. Four weeks in a row, we're going to watch something spooky. I'm excited. Jared's watching it every day. So, Jared, this is his month to shine. Um, hey, before we go, Jared, before you watch 
before you started the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what was the last horror movie you watched? Uh, hold on. Sorry, my cat. What's happening? <laughs> my cat beater just went off and it spooked me, so I clicked on Spotify and started playing music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that was goodness. like the most random things went on there. Uh, so I watched the original Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th Part 2, Friday the 13th Part 3, Room 203, Last Rites, ABCs of Death, ABCs of Death 2, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. I'm going to tell you guys right now, Friday the 13th, 1, pretty good, but we all know the twist. We all know the twist, so it yeah, kind of like lessens it, but it's good. Friday the 13th Part 2, terrible as fuck. Friday 13th Part 3, they realize what people are here for, so that's literally all they do. Minus the cheesy 3D stuff, it's actually, it's actually, hey, they were just like, hey, we know why you guys are here. There's no real story. There's nothing to it. And then obviously they start going off of that and start trying to incorporate story. Guys, like, you know why you're here. Don't, don't add in story. That's why, like... Fast 5 was good, Fast 6 was pretty good, but then Fast 7, then they started trying to tell too much story. I'm not, I'm just here for cars and explosions and shit. That's it. I want no the story. Don't put, I get so mad when people try and put in story where story doesn't belong in. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's a lot of the cool sequel up. horror genre. When they have too much story, it needs a little bit of story, just enough to make me care. But not too much, and that's yeah. And so, like, it's so funny because again, Friday Thirteenth, the first one, story, spookiness, driven, great. Number two, they're just like, ah, here goes even more story, and everybody's like, whoa. But then the third one, they're like, okay, man, we're done with the story, and then like, yeah, we love it. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, it sounds like you are have some ups and downs with that list. The ABCs of whatever, I was like, I don't think I ever want to watch that. Oh my god, they made oh. a sequel and Jared watched it? Like, it just doesn't seem like a fun time. But, uh... It... It's not... No, okay. Um, it's alright, though. You're in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Land. It's alright. Um, so next week, we're watching Werewolf by Night, and we will see you guys later. Bye.